All right, welcome back to uh, Big Martech, Episode 3, Season 2. We've been doing these, like, uh, trilogies, uh, you know, of topics to try to dig a little bit more deeply into things. You know, this uh, this triad here has all been about third-party cookies, the much-ballyhooed death of third-party cookies. We talked in our first episode a bit about how we got here. Covered a lot of different facets of, like, the, the alternatives to the third-party cookies sort of in that same mode of, uh, you know, having person and, uh, person targeting through a variety of identity mechanisms. But I think both Juan and I were super excited here to get to the third episode of like, okay, instead of just like crying about the loss of the cookie or trying to replace the cookie under a different name or a different mechanism, what are other ways of thinking about the evolution of advertising in a post-cookie world? So, hey, Juan, my friend, where shall we begin on this? Yeah, well, I, I, I'll probably start out and say that I hope that this uh, episode becomes a, a happy end to the story, I guess, in terms of uh, post-cookie marketing, because, you know, there is a lot of doom and gloom right now in the industry. There's a lot of challenges around how do marketers continue to grow their brand without this distributed, extremely powerful uh, methodology of targeting users uh, with a third-party cookie. So, Scott, I'm hopeful. Let's make this episode a really interesting way to think about the future and all these different innovations around what comes after third-party cookies and, and how marketers could be dealing with that. Uh, but let's dive in. Um, contextual advertising. Now, that is perhaps the the banner for um, the future of where advertising can go. And uh, we'll unpack what that looks like in a little bit. But it's really interesting if we think about all the different options that are out there for marketers when it comes to behavioral targeted advertising. And uh, third-party cookies is one, first-party data sharing is another, the walled gardens and uh, conversion APIs and different types of pixels are another. You know, and there's all these different options, but the one that got a lot of traction back in the mid nineties to the early two thousands, then kind of just disappeared off the scene for a long time was contextual, was contextual advertising. It was this solution that everyone was talking about. It was the hot new thing, but everyone kind of forgot about it. And now we're kind of coming back and thinking about contextual advertising again with the advent of all these new technologies and ways to use it effectively. But perhaps we could start with a definition. Uh, Scott, how do you see contextual advertising? How would you define it? Well, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this. Like, yes, when we first got the internet off the ground or the web off the ground, you know, like contextual advertising was where people were headed. But the truth is, the reason is like anytime you have a new technology revolution, the pattern that repeats itself again and again is we try and do the old things with the new technology and up until, like, you know, the digital world became what it was, like, the only form of advertising was contextual. Like, okay, well, I guess I want to get people who are reading the New York Times, or I guess I want to, like, have this broadcast on the football game, you know, let me understand the general demographic of who tends to watch those things or read those things or tune into that radio station at drive time. And while there's lots of jokes from, you know, the old uh, Wanamaker, I don't know which half of my advertising was wasted or not. The truth is, actually, capitalism, commerce, advertising, marketing kind of did all right for, like, you know, the pre-internet age. Then we brought in this idea of contextual, you know, ported it over uh, into, like, oh, okay, well, now, in addition to, like, radio and TV and magazines, we're going to have all these websites, and so depending on what the content is on the website, we'll target advertising 
to that content because they'll match a certain demographic or a certain set of interests. And at first we were doing that in a very broad based way of saying, oh, well, like if you're on the New York Times, then you're a New York Times reader. But it wasn't long before like people started to realize like, oh, okay, there's so much content here and we can actually parse the digital content and we could start to get really smart of saying like, okay, well, the New York Times has a lot of different pages. Do we want to be able to target people who are either in a, not just a particular section, but are they reading on a particular topic? And that was where you were starting to see early innovation in some of these solutions. And then the idea came of like, well, wait a second. If, if what we're trying to get after here is the people, you know, why, you know, it doesn't even really matter the context of what they're in. Like, if we can understand the person and track them, oh, these cookies, they're amazing. Like from site to site across the entire internet. Um, and then, yeah, you're right. That's basically innovation in the contextual side kind of ground to a halt and. The whole third-party cookie industrial ad tech complex uh, took over from there. It's interesting, right? Because we're now starting to see uh, all these new stats come into market around the effectiveness of contextual advertising. And it's really interesting to see, for example, uh, SeedTag, they're a, a European-based contextual advertising platform. Uh, they partnered up with Nielsen to do some research. Um, and they're suggesting that um, that contextual targeting boosts consumer interest in advertising by 32%. And so we always think about like online advertising as this adversarial um, relationship between the consumer. Like, oh, the consumer needs to look at ads or, you know, or see a preview of an ad or see a banner ad or a disruption to their content when they're browsing or experiencing it. But it's interesting that contextual advertising has this interesting role in like, um, increasing the relevancy of the ad within the moment of that user browsing the content. Um, but that's actually leading to better experiences for the consumer, um, which leads to, you would hope, better outcomes for the advertiser as well. And so it's an interesting question to ask. Can advertising actually be a really great experience in its own right or really additive to an existing experience of, say, browsing content, uh, say, um, watching streaming or, you know, browsing social media as well? It's an interesting question. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's actually as a, it's funny. You should phrase it exactly that way. So I, I went to a, a grad school uh, for computer science and was thinking I might actually study a PhD. So I started to do a research project. That was my exact project. It was called the useful advertising, the useful ads project of like, when you think about it, right, companies spending money and, you know, like trying to like have an efficient way, you know, of communicating to the market and ultimately consumers and customers wanting to find the stuff that's like relevant to them. There should be, you know, really great matching mechanisms. Anyways, the that version of that is I did not end up pursuing a doctoral degree and probably because clearly I had no idea what the answer to that question was. But I think um, we've seen this in a lot of cases where... I don't know. I think of something like, you know, um, TechCrunch, like you have a lot of these like specialized publications that one of the ways they've started doing advertising over the years is to say, oh, well, you could like sponsor an article. Now, I always find that stuff to be a bit of a mixed bag. Uh, in fact, mixed is probably being generous. Most of the time, it almost feels like the sponsored articles, they just, they just come across as sales pitches. And so people kind of like tune them out. But I think the 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 genesis of the idea there wasn't wasn't a bad one, which is to say, listen, actually, if we know folks are interested in this particular sort of information, and as a company in this space, we actually have something useful and meaningful we could share, 
But like, yeah, where do you find that boundary between um, making sure that what you're delivering actually is useful in the eyes of the uh, recipient, uh, not just in the like performance marketers are like, well, can, can, can you sign up here? Please click, click this button now, please, because if I don't get these metrics, I'm looking for another job next quarter. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think that there is a really great opportunity here because, you know, the, the reason we got into this cookie mess was um, concerns around privacy, regulations, and then the tech companies deciding to pull back from that form of um, data collection. But the consumer preference is kind of lost in that noise a bit, you know, like what do people actually want, given that the grand bargain of the internet is that you get free or very cheap um, experiences, services, products, but you have to sort of live with ads, right? But what do consumers want? And I think maybe if we break down how contextual advertising is changing and, and the innovative, exciting stuff as well, maybe we can help find a, sort of an answer to that question. Like, can ads truly be a wonderful experience for most users? So let's start from the top. I mean, contextual advertising, as a, as I said, it's, it's using the immediate context of a user, whatever they're experiencing, to um, serve them an ad that's relevant and helpful. That's sort of the goal. Um, and it's another form of targeting. Um, it doesn't rely on data sharing um, in the way that, you know, your typical behavioral targeting would require, whether that be with cookies or first-party data sharing. But where it kind of starts is with contextual ad exchanges. So, for example, companies like Cretio, they have a contextual ad exchange, as long with other companies like um, Newstar and uh, Quarry, um, even GumGum uh, work in this space as well, where they offer this contextual um, environment where you've got a variety of different publishers um, of all kinds of different content formats. Um, and you can go in and select an audience and then start uh, looking to publish with those those audiences. So that's the first bit. It's like, how does a brand start interacting with contextual type of advertising? It's actually through these exchanges. And then from there, there's sort of three ways in which um, ads are, are sort of t uh, targeted based on um, your immediate context. So the first one is historical analysis. So, you know, a lot of these platforms would look at the performance of a certain type of ad within a certain context, say a certain type of article. You know, uh, Scott, uh, before we hit record, we were talking about your love for Terminator 2 and you're looking at reviews for on that on, a, say, a website about reviews uh, uh, movies. You know, and so uh, the historical performance of certain types of ads is a contributing factor. If you're on, say, IMDb and you're browsing reviews for Terminator 2, I don't know why you would do that, but let's just take it for an example. The next bit is the um, on-site and content behavior. What is the user interacting with? Within their session, what different steps within that or different places of content that they visit within their journey? Are they looking at something really specific and granular um, over a variety of pages within that publisher? You know, that's another important behavioral um, data point. And then the last one is a content metadata, which is probably one of the more exciting pieces where it's not just looking at um, the behavior of the user or their the historical relevance of previous ads. It's also looking at, well, uh, when a, um, a piece of content is in the market and it's live, what are all the different data points about that piece of content? So with the advent of AI and, um, you know, obviously uh, uh, artificial vision and all these different types of textual analysis tools using artificial intelligence, uh, what you can do now is you can use an AI to tag up all the relevant inferences of that article, all the different topics, subcategories, and all the different ways in which that galaxy 
that you could actually go and target people. Um, but not only that, it goes a step further. Videos and images can be um, categorized and analyzed by, by an AI to provide an even deeper level of metadata targeting. And so that's why I think it's so exciting. All of those three data points end up becoming a decisioning layer for maximizing the relevancy of an ad for a, for a particular user browsing content. And it has nothing to do with the data that a brand owns or tracking a user across a variety of websites. It's all within the publisher's own ecosystem. And I think that's just absolutely fascinating. But Scott, did I get that right? Did I miss anything? What are your thoughts? No, I, I, I think that's totally cool. I mean, the, this whole idea of, um, you know, contextual coming back is it's like this convergence of several different things that needed to happen. So like, first of all, you know, the legal environment, all everything we covered in episode one, and basically like this shift around like uh, both, you know, public policy, but consumer preference on privacy that had to happen, you know, but then the second thing was like, okay, for all this contextual capability, boy, trying to like, actually like the old fashioned way people used to do this with like tagging individual pages and videos incredibly like, you know, labor intensive, highly inaccurate, um, limited in its data profile. But now coming back to it at this point in time, we've got the sophistication and the compute power in AI and machine learning to be able to automate that and do a much better job and a much richer job, you know, of creating that context, you know, and I love, yeah, I'm so glad you brought up that it isn't even just the context of the one page they're on, but it's the context of at least even within that site session, you know, sort of looking at what that journey is. I think one other thing I'll just bring up here is, Although contextual as the primary driver in online advertising, yeah, sort of faded into the background for, you know, a decade or so there, it still sort of kept alive a little bit from the whole concept of brand safety. Because even if people were targeting individuals using third-party cookies, there's still a little bit of concern of like, well you're not actually going to show my ad like in some sort of context of like this terrible negative, you know, event or like some sort of expose on a story about my industry. I mean, that that would not be good. And, you know, and so there was a little bit of that there. I think the thing I love about, you know, that being as the third dimension, you know, coming into why probably now is the right time for, you know, this contextual uh, rebirth is brand safety gets baked into it because that is an inherent part of what that context is too. I think the brand safety bit is really interesting. And, and increasingly, I think uh, GumGum actually just announced uh, two weeks ago that they've um, they've enhanced their brand safety uh, mechanisms within the platform, um, again, using AI. And, you know, it, it is a really interesting one because, you know, if no matter what platform you're dealing with, brand safety is always an equation for a marketer. You know, you don't want, you know, your content next to really harmful content, you know, or detrimental content or even a contradictory content to your message as well. And so contextual really shines in that regard because of their mastery over really understanding the context of the user within that content browsing session, you know? And so I think that's another really important piece here. And I think that it's like, well, you know, why is this the future? Why is this technology potentially are really going to be a really big part of the ad ecosystem? And, you know, I think there's a few reasons. I think primarily uh, you know, and I think we mentioned this last week was that with, with first party data sharing, you know, are we just kind of running down the data type chain 
and not really changing the underlying behavior or, or, or worldview of targeted advertising and its surveillance and, and all of the risks and challenges that poses to consumers. You know, contextual advertising does rely on data collection. Sure. It still tracks you. Sure. But I think the problem with privacy um, and why third party cookies is going away, it's not the tracking that's a problem. It's actually the sharing. It's the fact that a third party cookie will track you across a variety of uh, website pages and devices as well to build up a profile over time. Whereas contextual advertising doesn't do that. It's one publisher, one platform, one site, and it's collecting data within that ecosystem. And obviously that company would have to abide by their own privacy rules and regulations. But you're not sharing the data across platforms. And I think that's what where really contextual advertising shines and, and it offers something that is unique in that it allows you to target people based on their immediate relevance, but also um, deals with brand safety. Uh, but I think most importantly is that it's leveraging of AI um, to do that decisioning and to do that at scale, you know, and I think that that's probably the reason why contextual advertising didn't work back in the, you know, early 2000s was because the technology just wasn't there. I mean, we didn't have the kind of um, super powerful, massive, large language models that can analyze text in, in seconds and microseconds. We didn't have that type of technology. You know, even if you want to take a step further, what's stopping contextual advertising to create an ad uh, for your brand within a certain defined parameters, create the ad within the context that you're in, you know, because advertising needs content and perhaps, you know, given that every context is different based on the different articles or content you're consuming, what you could take contextual advertising and even one step further to generative advertising, which is generating an ad within the minute of that user browsing content. And so that's why I'm so excited about it because it's really leveraging that immediate context of the user and it's doing away with so much of the um, data sharing challenges that are impacting third-party cookies right now. Yeah, no, I agree with you. So one last interesting piece of this contextual thing that we were talking about a bit uh, before we went on the air is it's not just about the one-to-one data tracking. It's that we had been using all those one-to-one data tracking mechanisms to be able to aggregate a lot of the attribution models, uh, you know, that have powered the way we've thought about managing performance, uh, you know, within ad tech this past decade or so. And so it's like, yeah, that sort of, uh, you know, individual targeting and tracking goes away. Those models don't don't work, but there is other ways of approaching, uh, you know, measuring this. Um, uh, like I know you've been digging deep on this. Like, uh, yeah, what are some of the ones that you've seen lately? Yeah, I think there is some interesting ways of thinking about measurement um, in contextual. Uh, one, which is again getting its resurgence. It's kind of like back to the future a little bit with a lot of these technologies. In that, um, you know, mix marketing mix modeling is one technology that's increasingly becoming more prominent. Um, Harvard Business Review just did a massive write up on it. We'll drop it into the show notes. Um, but increasingly, when I'm talking to analytics folks, they previously relied on multi-touch attribution, which re- relied heavily on cookie targeting and cookie data collection, um, and also first-party data collection as well. But you know that previous format um, was helpful when the primary way of collecting data on users was through cookies. But now that's changing. Um, what I'm seeing is a shift to mixed 
um, so marketing mix modeling and also geo uh, targeting or geo experimentation. And those two things kind of work side by side. So the MMM models help you forecast and see the contribution across a variety of factors. You can determine what they are. It could be channel. It could be, um, it could be the weather. It could be seasonality. It could be different products in your mix. You know, it really opens up the can away from just say behavioral tracking to what are all the different circumstances that could drive uh, a conversion or what's what are those things and then you can forecast that out by channels and by spend and looking at okay well if we allocate certain spend on certain channels this is where it's going to take us so it's more of a forecasting and analytics tool but um, when you do geo experimentation that's literally flicking the switch on and off on different segments and saying okay if we turn this off for a little while what happens does it does it decrease revenue does it decrease conversion or um or even engagement you know if we turn that on and off across certain regions or certain cohorts of customers or users then you start to see and infer where the impact's coming from and that's very um process driven that's there's a lot of sort of rigor that needs to go around that but that's just another way of thinking about um how you start to get good attribution good understanding of where your marketing dollars are having impact as well um, outside of that sort of behavioral targeting and tracking that you see with multi-touch attribution. And so again, there's this resurgence back to the future. I mean, you know, <laughs> you were around back in those days, so you, you saw the emergence of multi-touch attribution and yeah, like uh, it, it seems like that's not so relevant, but I might be wrong. No, I, uh, I, I think it's really exciting. Uh, yeah, sort of this, this new generation of the statistical, uh, analysis. Uh, uh, and I think, yeah, I mean, I don't want to pick on multi-touch attribution, but it's actual efficacy, you know, uh, let's just say it wasn't a rock solid case either. Well, listen, I know we're going to like run out of time, but there's like one last thought. I, I, I think we should just like cue this up for like, we, we've agreed our next three episodes pretty much have to be about generative AI because, I mean, everybody else is talking about it. Like, we can't actually call ourselves podcasters if we're not going to be talking about generative AI. They'll kick us out of the podcaster, you know, association or whatnot. But it's that when we think about, you know, this evolution of advertising, digital advertising, we just have to recognize that, you know, this model of, like, display ads on, you know, web pages... That's been this dominant model here for a while in ad tech, but so many channels are changing. I mean, you know, we could do a whole series of episodes just on like the video dimension and how that's changing too. But the one that's sort of come up recently is my goodness with like chat GPT as an actual consumer platform now and people going to that instead of Google. And do they even need to go to a website if they can just sort of get the answers, you know, the way they interact with these chat assistants? If that becomes a major channel and paradigm in which people aren't engaging, it's clear somehow marketing, somehow advertising is going to have to figure out how it fits into that world. And that's going to be an entirely different uh, set of things to uh, uh, figure out. So I don't know, maybe we'll end up touching a bit on that in uh, our, our next uh, trilogy. And I'm excited for that, Scott. Um, I mean, J uh, ChatGPT, OpenAI, MidJourney, 
there's all these tools, there's all these technologies that are leveraging large language models and um, generative imagery and even generative video. And so uh, it's a bit of a chaotic time. And so my hope is that we actually spend quite a bit of time demystifying this category and where marketers are starting to actually create real value out of these tools. Um, but also to your point, how are consumer behaviors changing because of them as well? So I'm really excited. Stay tuned for our next three episodes, uh, which will be kicking off next week. So part one will be a deep dive into generative AI and its impact on marketers. Uh, but before then, we'd love for you to jump in the conversation. We'll be posting all over LinkedIn uh, this discussion today. Uh, jump in. Tell us what you think about contextual advertising. Is it the future of advertising or are we totally wrong? We would love your feedback. Uh, you can catch us on LinkedIn. You can follow SJ Brinker on LinkedIn or myself, Juan Mendoza, on LinkedIn. Um, come and have a conversation. Um, and as always, Scott and I are rooting for you. 